0: Welcome to the clinical podcast series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. The topic for this episode is the role of optometry in the delivery of eye care via telehealth, a systematic literature review. I'd like to thank our host and our topical editor, Dr. Ruth Hyatt, and our topical expert, Dr. Nadine Furtado. And now it's my pleasure to begin today's podcast. Hello, I'm Ruth Hyatt, a clinical diplomate and fellow of the Academy. This is the clinical podcast series. This episode will explore evidence to support the use of teleoptometry. Our topical expert is Nadine Furtado, a fellow of the Academy. Hey, Nadine. Hey, Ruth. How are you doing? Good, great. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a faculty
1: member at the University of Waterloo School of Optometry, uh, where in addition to just my clinical teaching um, and and administrative roles, um, I also do some research. My main areas of interest are public health um, and ophthalmic imaging. So this is a very um, interesting topic from that perspective.
0: All right, so let's have a look at the paper. So the role of optometry in the delivery of eye care via telehealth a systematic literature review was published in May of 2022 by Massey and colleagues. So before getting into the paper, um, I wanted to cover just a few definitions. Can you tell us what teleoptometry is?
1: Sure. So teleoptometry sort of would just within the whole telehealth appeal is specifically the delivery of eye care and optometry by a remote means so when we talk about telehealth as sort of that overall umbrella term, telehealth is used to describe any sort of delivery of health care remotely, and within that, you have teleoptometry, which is the remote delivery of um, optomet- um, optometric services. And then, whenever we talk about telehealth, we can further subdivide that into um, synchronous versus asynchronous care. So, synchronous care specifically refers to sort of the real time delivery of, of care, and so you're either speaking directly with you or have that direct communication between the patient and the clinician where they're having a conversation and some sort of decision is made, as opposed to asynchronous care, which is not done in real time. Um, and so with asynchronous care it's often referred to as store and forward. Um, oftentimes in those situations the patient is either seen by a technician or the data is collected some in some other means and is subsequently forwarded to the clinician to review and then and then a decision is made. Um, So just to give you some examples of both from an eye care um, standpoint, so when we think about asynchronous care, the best example is probably what's often done with diabetic um, retinopathy screenings. So oftentimes a patient is going to be referred by their doctor for a diabetic screening to either a clinic or to an imaging center. They'll go in, they'll have their fundus photo taken, and that photo is subsequently sent to a clinician to review at a later point in time. They'll review the photo and then generate a report for that referring clinician. And then, when we talk about synchronous optome- um, teleoptometry, that's gonna be some real time interaction between um, the optometrist and their patient. Um, there was definitely a significant increase in that during the first few months of the pandemic and even, even ongoing since then, whereby um, just because so many clinics had to close down all of a sudden, you um, optometrists needed to find a way to interact with their patients. So a lot of them turned to either various um, video um, conferencing platforms or even just using a telephone to have that conversation with their patient, triage any sort of urgent concerns they have and make a determination regarding any sort of management. And so all that being done remotely. But in real time.
0: All right. So uh, moving to the study, what was the purpose of this study?
1: Um, so the authors of the study stated even at the beginning that they knew there wasn't a lot of uh, publications or evidence related to teleoptometry, but they wanted to see what exactly was out there, just to get a better idea of where the where exactly are the gaps in our knowledge and our understanding about the benefits of teleoptometry. Um, they also wanted to use this as a starting point to de- develop sort of policies and protocols to see what teleoptometry could look like. At the moment, that doesn't really exist. And in order for teleoptometry to become some sort of standard of care going forward, we need to have an understanding about the efficacy of teleoptometry. So really was to, to do a literature review to see what evidence we currently have and see what we need to do going forward.
0: So what did they find after doing all of that
1: so they found 27 articles whereby, where, in which optometrists were involved in the delivery of um, telehealth, so teleoptometry. For the large majority of those studies, the care was done sort of in a co-management way in, in, in conjunction with the ophthalmologists. Um, there was only a subset of the studies where the optometrists were providing care independently. Um, care was provided both synchronously as well as asynchronously. Um, And probably the areas where they had the most, where they saw the most successful teleoptometry was the area of rehabilitation and low vision services. And as we know, with that subset of patients, oftentimes it is challenging for them to come in for either full consultations as well as potentially follow-up appointments. So having this sort of um, telehealth means by which Patients could communicate with their clinicians was definitely something that facilitated that interaction, both for the initial consult as well as for the follow-ups, just to um, allow for that continuity of care and for the and for those um, follow-up assessments. Um, other areas where they where they found success with teleoptometry was with telerefractions um, and also with contact lens consults. Uh, but just overall, the authors said that. Um, there was definitely a significant gap in in our understanding of teleoptometry. So we definitely need to do studies going forward in order to increase our knowledge about this and, and have more evidence to support the use of teleoptometry.
0: I found it fascinating that the patients were very happy with the quality of care that they received and, um, I was. I just really found it interesting as well that that was including low vision rehabilitation, and that tele refraction versus in person refraction had no statistically significant difference in refraction results. It's just amazing. So, um, you know, with that in mind, what are some key points to take away from this article and this talk that we had?
1: Um, so, I think definitely. Although we've seen an increase in teleoptometry over the past few years um, since the onset of the pandemic is definitely something that's going to continue going forward. It has a lot of promise and potential, um, either some, something as a standalone or potentially just as an adjunct to in-person care but we definitely need more evidence just to, to assess the clinical efficacy of teleoptometry and have a better understanding about both safety as well as the um, outcomes comparing teleoptometry versus in-person care. So just um, something that has a lot of potential and promise, but we just need to do the studies to, to get the evidence to support that.
0: All right, Nadine, well, I appreciate your insight and I wanna thank everyone for watching this episode of the clinical podcast series. And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen.